The word of our God that we consider together this morning is today's first reading from Acts chapter 1. In the name of Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended, your fellow servants of God, witnesses of our Savior. We can often see impressive things when we look up. The brilliant blue of the atmosphere on a cloud-free day, or the stars arranged by God's hand across the night sky. Today's Bible reading takes us back to the 40th day after Jesus' resurrection, a day when Jesus' disciples were looking up. Jesus had gathered them just outside the city of Jerusalem. He spoke to them about some important things. Then he lifted up his hands to bless them. And then he was taken up right in front of their eyes. And they kept looking up for a time, hoping for one more glimpse of their ascended Lord. If you and I had been there that day, I can't imagine that we would have been looking anywhere else but up. As we observe Ascension Day, our eyes of faith look up to our Ascended Lord. And there are two things that God invites us to see. First of all, to see that our place in heaven is secure. And also to see that our purpose here on earth is clear. Are you certain about where you will be in eternity? Can we be certain of that now? We might think that we could feel more certain if Jesus were still here on earth. If we could see him with our own eyes, if we could hear him answer our questions, wouldn't that help us? be more sure about heaven? How does the fact that Jesus has ascended make our eternity secure? Well, first, it assures us that Jesus finished the work that he came here to earth to do. For what purpose did Jesus become truly human and live visibly here for a time? He came to live the holy life that God demands that you and I must live, but we have failed. To live each day without one lustful thought, with perfect trust and contentment in God's will and in his ways, with no snarky or hurtful or complaining words, with every action focused on glorifying God and loving and serving others? That's what God demands, and much more, too. But who among us has done that for even one day, or even a small part of just one day? Jesus came to do that for us, and he did not fail. He came to do even more. Someone had to die for the sins and wrongs that you and I have done, and it should have been us. Our consciences tell us that we are the guilty ones, 
that we are the ones whose wages for sin adds up to death. Jesus became human so that he could die. God the Father made Jesus sinful with our sin, judged him as guilty, and the wages of our sins were paid out to him. Paid out to him in blows to his face and lashes across his back and nails in his hands and feet on a Friday that we call good until he could say, it is finished. Paid in full. Every cent of the wages of our sin paid by Jesus. And then he breathed his last. And God the Father agreed and accepted the payment that Jesus made for our sins and declares us not guilty. Jesus rose from death. And after 40 days, he ascended to heaven like a victorious general returning home after his battle over sin and Satan and death. In the ascension of Jesus, be assured, that the work to save you is complete. There is no sin left for you to pay off. There is no requirement that you must meet so that God will show his favor to you. Jesus paid it all. And he is now preparing a place for you to be there with him eternally. Look up to your ascended Savior to see that your place in heaven is secure. And while Jesus' work to save you is finished, his work to keep you safe continues. In our second reading, the one from Ephesians, we are told that God the Father placed Jesus at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Do you know what this means for you? The Bible tells us that Jesus ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. When Jesus ascended, he did not go away from us. He actually came even closer. If Jesus had remained here humbly and visibly with his body confined to one place, you and I would have to travel to him. But now as he has retaken the full use of his heavenly glory and is exalted on high as our ascended Savior, he is present everywhere with you always, he promises. And he comes near. As he sends his Holy Spirit in his word, he comes near in the water of baptism. He comes near in the bread and wine of his holy supper. Jesus, the exalted, ascended Lord, comes near to forgive your sins, to strengthen your faith so that you gladly serve him. He comes near. So that no matter what is weighing on your heart today, he assures you that you are not alone. He comes near to promise you that nothing can take you out of his hands. 
and as he rules at the Father's right hand, he does everything for one purpose. Again, our Ephesians reading says, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Jesus works for his church, his people. He works for you. In ancient times, a victorious king would place his foot right on the neck or the head of a surrendering enemy who had to lie flat on the ground. There was no doubt who was in control. As Jesus walked out of his grave, he has his foot on the throat of death itself. Jesus stands victorious over Satan and one day will crush his power completely. Jesus controls all things for the eternal good of his people, even when that is hard for us to see. Those things that hurt you or worry you now, things like sickness or suffering or loss of any kind, even hurtful things that others say or do, Jesus has all of those things under his feet and he will not allow them to harm you eternally. Nothing can derail or undo his plan to bring you safely to his side. Look up to your ascended Savior to see that your eternity is secure. It seems that Jesus' disciples wanted to see a little evidence of that here on earth. They had seen Jesus' humble life and suffering and death, and now they thought it would be good to see some glory. So they asked Jesus what turned out to be their final question. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus assured them that his Father would display all glory at the end of time, at a time that only God knows. But for now... There are other more important concerns. Jesus said, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They were to be Jesus' witnesses, ones who told what they had seen and heard. This was now their purpose, to proclaim the message of Jesus crucified and risen as the promised Savior. To witness that right where they were living in Jerusalem and then a little bit farther in Judea and Samaria and finally throughout the world. And on that day as they still stood there looking up, suddenly two angels appeared and urged them to remember and to fulfill their purpose. He said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. As Jesus was hidden by a cloud that day, notice how the book of Revelation promises he will come back in the same way. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. And before Jesus returns to judge all people, 
Every person on earth needs to be set free from Satan's grasp and from sin's guilty grip. And this is where our purpose becomes clear, too. The Lord Jesus has set you free from sin, has made you to be his own dear child, and he gives to you the powerful tool that can free others from their sin. He gives to you the message of repentance for the forgiveness of sins that is to be proclaimed to all nations. And he says that you are his witness, one who is to speak what you know is true. So what are we to say? Well, what do you know is true for you and for me and for every person on earth? The truth is that we naturally rebel against God's will to love him above all and to love and serve others. The truth is that we deserve God's eternal judgment for our sin. Our guilty consciences make that undeniable. The truth is that despite our sins, God chose to love us and to send his son to live and die for us. The truth is God declares sinners not guilty. And the truth is that whoever believes in Jesus will not perish but will have eternal life. That is the message that those disciples of Jesus witnessed from one person to the next, from one place to the next. And by the grace of God, he made sure that someone told you so that in your ascended Savior, you see that your place in heaven is secure and your purpose here is clear. Jesus counts you as his witness. To whom can you say what you know to be true? Continue to witness to those who already know Jesus. That's important because they need God's continuing encouragement. With all the voices in our world that ridicule God's truth, with Satan's constant threatening temptations, we all need encouragement. There are also so many who don't yet know Christ. To whom can you say, I want you to know that God in heaven loves you and has forgiven all your sins in Jesus. Only God knows when that message that you share may rescue another soul for the Lord. So keep on looking for and praying for opportunities to do that. Even if someone has brushed you off in the past. Is that easy? No, it's not. Where can we find strength? to gladly fulfill our purpose to speak the truth in love. Only from the one who assures you that your place in heaven is secure and the one who teaches you that your purpose here is clear. And you know where to look for that. Look up to your ascended Savior.
Amen.